Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hat smiley face. Was I supposed to say that? Yeah. Oh, or was yeah. I supposed to act that out? Well, hello and welcome to the China Shop, folks. Step right in. Have a seat. Relax. I'm Shopkeeper Dan. With me, as always, is George, creator of TreyProAcademy.com. George is celebrating a big promotion today. He's the new apprentice. No, he's the new associate boulder roller here in the China Shop. How are you doing today, George? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on again. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey. I am happy. Who locked the fucking door? Uh, what's going on what is he doing here <laughs> get, I specifically changed those locks I am calling I my gone. locksmith I am pissed I was gone for a, like three days and uh. yeah hey Dan who's that what's that voice we didn't talk about who's this third person we didn't talk about this George, I've had this problem with this guy before he he used to be our, our Scrooge McDuck in, in impersonator here in the shop <laughs> I'm trying to eject them, but I don't have the right. <laughs> we don't have the right sound effect button for that. Yeah. For what? <laughs> What's the one he's looking for? Trying to eject it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so as you can see, we got a great, great month in review episode lined up for you. We're really glad uh, George could join us. We're also glad, Kyle. We're glad to have you back in the shop. It did feel weird without you. Thanks. Can I have my? Can I have my chair back? Uh no. <laughs> No. All right, I'll earn it. I'll earn it back. Yeah, you don't retain seniority when you leave and come back. You come back as a fresh new <laughs> hire. Yeah, I like um, two milks and one sugar in my coffee, sir. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I thought I told you to do good or to to not fuck up my bet pick and to not do too good, and you kind of did the opposite. Don't tell me what not to do. You. Uh- <laughs> So oh, thanks for filling in uh, last episode. That was fantastic. I listened to that on the drive home from uh, from Oklahoma City. I was cracking up the entire way. Awesome, man. It was, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having the confidence to to leave the show with me to, to co-host for an episode. It was super fun. Well, we actually asked Vico first, I got to say. <laughs> oh, it's true. <laughs> but he was in Greece. Uh, got him. Yeah. Got him. <laughs> we don't like confidence being too high around here, folks. Smack it back down. <laughs> oh God. All right. So come on in, folks. We're gonna we're gonna get started in here. Kyle, uh I think we just jumped straight to to talking about what we did for the month, right? There's nothing else to go over. Oh, I mean, didn't really have any guests. We got a bunch of guests lined up for next month, but I think we just okay. got some special okay. bonus specials, so Unless you want to rehash Fifty Shades of Grey again, which I really don't. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> um, uh, we did win a bet against George. I'm excited about that. It's the only bet I'm excited about. I think it's the only one we did, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I've got some consequences for you that I'll spring on you at some point in the show. God And then let it. you make a decision by the end. Nice try, Dan. Face <sighs> the music, buddy. I, I have to as well. What was our consequences with George again? I think I have to say that I lost a bet on the show without saying anything as to why. Set this, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You lost a bet yep. with two bulls in a China shop, and you can't explain it. Great. <laughs> Wait, is he allowed to say that he can't explain it, or he just has to unexplained? I think he has to just kind of ignore it. Okay. okay. Hey, guys. Welcome to the show of winning traders. I lost a bet with two bulls <laughs> in a China shop. Oh, God. We might have really hurt your brand. Yeah. <laughs> in today's <Uh-oh>. show. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do it. Hey, it bet is a bet. And um, yeah, definitely. Oh, I love it. I'm going to just do it on show number 750. 
We didn't say <laughs> right, which episode. Right, there you go. Right. <laughs> we are on 94. I'm just kidding. <laughs> sneaky fine print Canadians always getting you. Speaking of sneaky, uh, I know this might be jumping a little bit ahead, but yeah, I've been going through the, the trade pro courses on futures, so it's probably going to be the focus of my discussion this for this episode. But that was pretty sneaky the way you snuck in that no sim trading commitment, just staring at a monitor for three weeks. Right? Isn't that painful? It's excruciating, but it's it's helpful. I you know what's say, crazy? I got to say, I actually did it today. Today was my, my first day starting that, and it wasn't that hard. It's it's amazing, right? And you picked up the lessons. It, you, you learn a lot more when you're not in a position, right? Looking to justify it or disqualify it. You learn more of a neutral stance. I think a lot of the, the helpfulness of that, too, actually comes down to proving to myself that I don't have to act on every bit of information either. Exactly, which is key, right? Like mm-hmm. Before you get into a trade, you have to be impartial about it. And a lot of the traders who have done really well going through Trade Pro Academy, mm-hmm. Kyle, um, have actually honored that commitment. Even the ones who came in with a lot of capital, with experience, et cetera, who, the people who tend to honor that commitment have a higher chance of success. And it's important, especially early on in the career to, or early on in trading futures to observe them just so you know how they're different, right? Especially mm-hmm. if you're trading stocks, options, et cetera. So good for you for doing it. Thank you. Not many people do. Really? Oh, I don't yeah. Mind. Oh, we see the stats. I was laughing at the lesson. And nobody makes it past lesson 11. <laughs> uh, it's sad, but true. So many people skip that lesson entirely in the exercise. We see all the data on the back end of the analytics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's correlation definitely for um, commitment to it. And we don't see who did the three-week challenge, but we see how quickly after that lesson you watch the next one right right and uh yeah but hey that's life i was planning on going back through and watching some of the previous ones again that's still allowed right oh yeah absolutely 100 okay, percent. one of our members uh that did really well he took a a hundred dollar account believe it or not to one hundred and fifty thousand. Oh. now not over a month right i right? took him 18 months but he's now trading full-time doing his thing he said he watched the course five times before it really like took off you don't have to watch it five times but you can watch as many times as you need I find it helps me pick up more because you, you try to incorporate it as you're watching it. And then, but there's just so much new information that keeps coming in that like, you'll forget, you know, five lessons ago, what you learned that lesson you go back and watch it again. You're like, Oh shit. Yeah. I forgot about fucking looking at VWAP throw that back on there. Yeah. And, and as you progress, you start to pull out different information at different stages of the journey, right? Every, mm-hmm. Like little tidbits become more important. You're like, Oh, Hey, I missed that the first time. So yeah, um, definitely. Now, I got to ask real quick. It is a three-week commit, uh, commitment, right? Correct, yeah. Okay, because in the course, you said four weeks. Ooh. Well, you can... Ta- look, by the time you get the three weeks, <laughs> you can decide for yourself. But just do the three and then see where it goes from I was there. Gonna, I was going to... Yeah, it's like, okay, loophole. He said three on the, the paperwork. I'm going three. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Well, I was going to talk about some of my sim trading results with you too, but um, when I go back and look through it, it just got so out of control uh, after initially starting like with some discipline that like really this 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 uh, commitment came at like the perfect time awesome. because I was starting to recognize myself that some bad habits were starting to form. Yeah, it's a lot harder to undo a bad habit than than to create the, the right one from the get go, right? And it happens. That's the thing with sim. I think we did a, a show on our podcast that was called "Why Your uh, Sim Trading Results Don't Matter," mm. and you know we stick to that. I think with sim, as long as you learn the platform, and you know when you click places, you're not surprised. I think that's kind of the value. You're maximizing the value out of sim with futures. There's really like there's micro products, which means you're taking you know five dollar risks on a whole trade. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that that's become a lot more of a of a beneficial environment. That's become the new sim. Like when I started, they didn't have that. I had to put on full size, and it was a little bit trickier as to when to leave sim, when to go you know live. Right, it was a more difficult decision. Now it's like five bucks per trade. Wow. Um, yeah. So yeah, you have actual baby steps that you can. You don't have to just kick the training wheels off and ride down the interstate. Yeah, exactly. It's not like you're saying, hey, I want to play hockey. And then the next morning you're in the NHL. It's like you're, you're <laughs> it's like that South this. Park. <laughs> Those boys have to learn a lesson. They can take our spot and play the Avs. <laughs> <laughs> I love South Park. Yeah. Funny show. Well, Dan, how is, uh, how is uh, your week going? You're doing kind of the same thing. You started making the transition towards... Futures yeah, as well. and and you know this whole month looking back, I didn't do much trading this month. I did a lot of watching. Now, a big part of that was due to the fact that I was 
at work and anything could pull me away. I actually confided in my, my general manager today, like I had one morning where I had some some call options from the night before and it opened up that morning high and it was my intent to sell them right it open mm-hmm. at 6.30. But when I showed up to work, there was a lady screaming at the front desk clerk because he let her drunk, angry, armed with a gun husband know which room she was in after she fled to the hotel to escape. Right. Right. So like she's in the right. Yeah. So I, you know, I walk into like this crazy lady and then, and by the time I got to my computer, it was like 6.40 and I think it was AMC options. They were, it was going down and like I sold it for profit, but I, I left like two grand on the table. Sorry, Dan, that's a horrible excuse. That that story wasn't strong enough <laughs> <laughs> to prevent you from checking in on your call options. All right, a man with a gun, angry in the lobby, is a no-go. You, you should have told them, listen, sir, hold that hammer back. <laughs> Give me five minutes. I got an option play here. <laughs> I'm not writing on this one. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, he wasn't. Yeah. Anyway, regardless, um, the uh, the only thing I've really been playing with uh, was I made a trade yesterday and I made a trade today. Uh, <laughs> that was my big moves for the month. And you made a big career move too, Dan. Like, yeah, understandably, there's a lot of stuff going on, right, in your life. Yeah. Didn't you tell your boss something awesome too? The hotel owner actually came in yesterday, and he. He was like, I'm really sad to see you go. You, you know, you, you can work, you know, weekend shifts. You go come back to work whenever you want. And I'm like, no, no, I think I'm good. And he's like, well, you know, I just worry because stocks are gambling and I know you'll be back here. And I told him, I said, you know, there are days where I make more money than your hotel does. And I don't have the overhead. <laughs> 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 so good what a good response yeah, and true that. yeah yeah that was his reaction just a blank oh, face his his reaction was it's gambling dan i know it's gambling my relative played stocks and lost so much money i said okay mm, you're one person that you know yeah. generally yeah. when somebody says the two words played stocks Mm-hmm. It tends to speak that there wasn't really much of a strategy involved. Like that's right. what I find. Like so many people are prevented from doing this trading thing because you know of a story from somebody who either in the family or a friend who got hurt, but they never yep. managed to find out why. You know, they never even learned the lessons through that person. They just scared, and that's it. It's like oh, it's gambling, and that's it. Well, I think you've alluded to this many times before. So many people think it's a get-rich-quick scheme. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think Dan and I realized when we first started our journey just how much effort was going to be required to try to turn this into, you know, a full-time career. Yeah. yeah. But it's Tell just as much, it. if not more, than the effort I was putting in at my 9-to-5 job before I quit. Oh, for sure. Yeah, right. It's like, oh, this could be a side hustle, and I'm starting to pick out the boats and cottages I want, and then you get into it, and you get a rude awakening. But that's part of the journey. <laughs> yeah, I'm still yeah. with that Lambo. <laughs> yeah, win Lambo, win. <laughs> you know, Lambo's like the... I don't know. How how tall are you, Kyle? I don't want a Lambo. I love my height. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dan, consequences. I'm going to spring them on you right now. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. So I've come up with two two ideas. One of them is oh. going to be minimal effort, but maximum pain. And the other one is going to be extreme effort, but probably not nearly as painful. Well, I think we know which one I'm going to pick, but continue. <laughs> All right, so the, the more effort's going to be that I think that you need to get more in touch with our Canadian neighbors. And so what I'd be proposing is that we, uh, Laura and I will coordinate with George to come up with some recipes of some authentic Canadian cuisine that we're going to send to you. And you're going to have to cook one of these dinners and report on it once a week for the rest of the month. Okay. So that'll be things like, uh, I think, as George said, probably focusing around maple syrup and whale blubber. Yeah, are there any whales in Arizona anywhere nearby? Dan, no. I'm gonna have to do some research to see what we can actually send them because I do try to make these non-cost. You know, the person who signs has to pay for this stuff. Yeah, I I can't get whale blubber. (laughs) I'll figure out. I'll make sure that I can get the ingredients sent to you for anything that you uh, happen to get assigned. Okay. All right. Well, what's what's the other one? The low effort, maximum pain. Is mm-hmm. uh, I feel like the random stock has not been doing very well and could probably use a bit of a helping hand. So for the rest of the month, then 
Uh, before we reveal the bet results, you'll have to flip a coin to determine whether or not you switch with the random. Oh, damn. Each week. Oh, damn. Well, I'm I'm cooking me some whale blubber, fellas. <laughs> damn it. I was really hoping you'd go for that one. <laughs> that one hurts me, too, though. Keep in mind, because if you uh, if you make random super good, then we both have to do something dumb. It's an interesting proposition. Yeah. I don't like the idea of doing really well and not being able to get to keep my bet total. I know. Oh, I would rather no. lose honestly than swap with random for the win. <laughs> or for random's win? Yeah. I don't think Bitcoin's doing too well this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, y- you should be sweating based on how AMC's been doing this week. Oh, I'm down. My week's already looking like it's over. This was my last ditch hope to maybe try to make us both do something dumb instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You got. Uh, we'll give you it till the end of the episode here to figure to make your final decision on that. Okay. All right. You guys are so nice to each other. I love this show. <laughs> <laughs> These aren't the kind of consequences you imagined. No, you know, getting in touch with your Canadian side means being a little more gentle, saying sorry to one another. You know, like. Saying part of that means he needs to call up some of the people he's wronged and maybe do like the, 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 what is it? Alcohol 12 steps. With, uh, steps. AA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now there would be a good consequence. <laughs> Gotta make amends. Yeah. It's part of your Canadian punishment. <laughs> Here's a hard one. Stop, stop encouraging Kyle. Stop spitballing, please. <laughs> yeah. This is how you end up reading a terrible, trashy romance novel. <laughs> oh god yeah it is it is it was originally gonna be twilight oh what did, what, what did i do <laughs> all right should we get back to the show nah <laughs> just kidding yeah <laughs> let's nah. do it yeah we can call it oh boy all right so let me go back there and see if i did anything else did you do any of your wheel options this month i did some of it but not as much um and i think i've been neglecting that a lot because i've just been so excited to deal with futures. Mm-hmm. Um, Good that's, man. Well, the part of the problem with that is that it's going to cut into my income for next month. <laughs> <laughs> right. But imagine the months after. Like, There's definitely potential there. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. Uh, like, I did tell the wife that I feel like the future is actually, it's, it's the one thing that's felt like it has the best potential to actually be sustainable long term. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm biased when I say <laughs> this, but it's good. One of the <laughs> things good. that I was super, uh, that really left an impression on me when we were talking or when I was listening to, to some of the le- uh, uh, the episodes, was when you talked about being able to see the entire order book. Yeah. So anybody who places a trade goes through the CME. There's no dark pool. There's no hiding uh, you know, orders through. There's no manipulation of put contracts or options contracts. Like It just feels so much more honest. Yeah. I, that, that's like the biggest. That is the whole edge of the strategy we use. It's, it's being able to see that centralized order flow. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it tends to, I don't want to say easier, but it makes the process more quantifiable, if you will. It makes it more transparent and you're not really second guessing, like, you know, is it one person? Is it two people? Like you're seeing raw, unfiltered, you know, trade by trade data. It feels honest. Yeah, exactly. And Canadians like that. So that's the market. (laughs) (laughs) Now, can you tell us a little bit more about the differences between like oil and uh, like the S&P futures? Yeah, absolutely. I know you mentioned at one point that you said more professionals trade oil. I was curious to hear you talk a little bit more about what that means. Yeah, yeah. So the, the oil market is different, right? Oil is a commodity. Um, pretty much everything that you eat is packaged in oil. Everything you drive is powered by oil, mm-hmm. Tesla included, Yep. right? Oil is pro- like used to produce electricity of the cars and it's it's just fuel, right? So everything really requires oil in this world. It's called black gold. And the thing with oil is the supply and demand market. So, you know, it's actually a thing that's drilled and extracted from the ground and serves a tangible purpose. Like it isn't paper value. It's actually like energy, right? Mm -hmm. So what makes the market really full and dense with professional traders is a lot of companies use oil to offset some of their their expenses. So, for example, airlines hedge using oil and gasoline futures, Mm. right? On their expense side, producers who actually extract this thing from the ground are hedging out their exposure as well to be able to protect the price in the future. Um, and, and a lot of people who aren't really 
speculative traders deal in that market at certain levels. And also, if you look at it in terms of just day trading, mm-hmm. you know, oil is a very pure price structure market, meaning that when you look at price analysis, it does what it's supposed to, and it does it really well, whereas S&P is a little more noisy. It'll run above a level, come back down, and then reverse, right? It's a little more like dicey that way. But with order flow, you're, you're able to really eliminate the head fake moments mm-hmm. to a large extent. Not all of them, obviously. You get stopped out at times. But oil is a very pure supply and demand-driven market, very nice price structure. The only reason I didn't recommend new people start with it in the past is because it didn't have a micro product. It was just a full-scale contract. Oh. Just, yeah, $1,000 per dollar of movement in oil. And that's right. all you could do. Yeah, I was I was curious because uh, you said more professionals trade it. I was wondering if you can use like a, a poker table as an example. Like, do you necessarily want to be sitting down at the table with all the professionals, or would you rather be sitting at the one with all the the fish? Yeah, right. Like, uh, do you think there's some of that too, or is that uh, not an apt comparison? No, that's a great comparison. Yeah, like you know, you're changing hands with more uh, professional traders because you know futures is a little known market to begin with and then oil is kind of most people trade oil with etfs or energy companies mm-hmm. you know and they're like hey you're an oil trader that's great what energy company do you like it's like i, I don't like companies i just buy oil right and, <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> there is a lot more professionals in the market and the the neat thing about it is that because everyone gets on the trade at the same time same levels you know, people do lose money, but again, on the professional side, some of those people are being are going short as the market rallies. So there's enough money that you could pick up off of you know in front of the steamroller, even with a density professional uh, participant market. It's so like look for example, when oil explodes higher, some producers will actually have to sell the futures to hedge out. So there's always uh, back and forth trade. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, I, I think they're they're comparable in that. Yes, there's retail in S&P mostly and a lot of institutional traders as well. With oil, there's a lot of pros, but there's also a lot of people both on the bid and offer, which make it super tradable. Not everyone day trades it like us, right? Yeah, and that's something that I keep forgetting too is, like you said, there's so many people involved in the chain that have to make those hedges. Yeah, it's huge. And protect their product. Yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense that why it would follow structure so much better. Yeah, like oil on its own. Sorry, Dan, yeah. go ahead. I was I was going to ask, uh, do you ever trade contracts longer than day trading? Is there a, a money to be made in like leaps on futures? So, you know, there's actually options on futures as well, uh, which mm-hmm. you could take advantage of if you wanted to hold positions. The thing with holding positions in futures is that, you know, they're 23 hours a day now because they remove the 15-minute halt every day. So they run 23 hours a day, and it starts Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern. So there's opportunity to to day trade them, but because the leverage is so big, you're going to get knocked out of a trade because you have to have a really tight stop. Like if you're swing trading oil, you know, and your level's $2 away, that's $2,000 a contract of risk. And there's no real way to to reduce that until now with the microproduct, of course. So you can swing trade. The only thing I don't like about um, swing trading markets with futures is that sometimes in that one hour difference, there's a there's a big gap that could happen, mm-hmm. and you could run into some issues there. Where you know, especially on oil. Oh my god, holding oil overnight just gives me heart palpitations. This <laughs> <because laughs> is one of those markets where literally, like you know, a pipeline can get bombed, and you're on the wrong side of that. There's a seven percent, and you can't even get out. You don't have a stop loss because the market hasn't opened yet. Ooh. So, yeah, like it, it's kind of dangerous, and I wouldn't really do it unless I hedge it out with some option plays. So you could be long the futures, and then you know, sell some spreads against it, etc. But to answer your question in a very long-winded way, Dan, I don't swing trade it. There are times when. I'll have remnants of a position, so I'll get long, and I'll have, hey, I got two contracts left. Now, let's see if this thing can run overnight. But I never hold full size and get into a trade with an expectation of a multi-day position. So very rarely do I end up in that scenario. Yeah, And if you hold past the cash close, then you end up having a higher margin requirement, too, at that point, right? Yeah, and you only have it for an hour. It's really fascinating the way futures work because... For that one hour that it's closed, anything goes. Like Anything can happen, theoretically, to change the price. And so while it's closed, the margin requirements increase. But when it reopens again at 6 p.m. Eastern after that one-hour closure, 
margin requirements are back to the lower threshold, which is called day trading margin rather than maintenance margin. Well, that's confusing. The day trading margin is, let's say, with AMP, $400 a contract. But within that one hour, if you want to hold for that one hour stretch, it goes up to 4,000 just in case something crazy happens. The best way to do it is, you know, sell it at 3.50 p.m. or 4.50 p.m. Eastern, get rid of the position and reopen it again after six to avoid that risk. That's funny. I thought uh, I thought that meant like the PM session was going to be where you needed the higher margin requirements. You know, it's super confusing because some yeah. places call it overnight margin, like overnight margin. It's not overnight, just one hour. So brokers can protect themselves in a spooky event. Uh, that makes a lot more sense that way. Yeah. <laughs> and that's futures. And that's future. Well, no, I do have another question. Um, uh, Kyle and I were talking earlier today, and and I, my general chain of thought now, and I, I'm a few lessons, I'm like five or six lessons behind 11. I'm like, going, uh, I just finished the modules. I just finished VWAP. That's why I was singing it when you came on the call. Uh, <laughs> I, I was thinking that I could watch like S&P, gold, and oil, and that way if one of them's having a sleepy day, I can look at one of the other ones and be like, oh, I can trade this one today. Is that is that something you do? Is that a viable strategy? Yeah, absolutely. This summer, I was trading, you know, when it got really slow, beginning of August, I was trading mostly oil. So I think between oil and the S&P 500 futures, you know, there's they're not very correlated. There is correlation between the two, but they're two different markets. So on any given day between the two, there's definitely an opportunity. When S&P is slow, sometimes oil moves a lot. There are days when they're both slow as well, but they're they're definitely less. So having a second market in your pocket, the ability to trade a second market definitely opens you up to more opportunity on slow days. And it's kind of interesting how it works. It's not opportunity in terms of, I'm going to make more here. Trading oil as well as S&P sometimes prevents you from losing a lot of money on the S&P because you're bored and it's not moving. Right? Mm-hmm. Or you're getting sucked into stupid trades. So it's not that it'll make you more, it, it'll help you avoid some of those big losing days in the long term. That's the cool part about it, having two market knowledge. Um, and sometimes, you know, depending on the person, it could also be very distracting, something to consider, you know, switching between markets, you could start mm. losing in both of them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that was the conclusion that I came to is like, well, I think I should probably master one of these first before I try to add another one. Yeah, it's a great add-on market, I agree, but I would certainly like master one with consistency and then adding the second one will be easier because a lot of what you learned in the first one is applicable to the second one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you a question about ranges. Yeah. Do you find any value in trying to trade the range or are you specifically looking for the breakout retest and grab the uh, continuation move for the most part? So on um, in the in the period between may to august mm-hmm. range trades work really well so when you know that's the summer period when people start going on holidays and the market slows down historically in the last 30 years you take those months they don't perform as well as the other months right so in the summer it's almost like a whole separate strategy where you know in the other months just buying lows will get you killed right hmm. in the summertime buying these lows and range bottoms actually end up working out. And so there, there's sort of two strategies. And the two worst periods for me, you know, statistically and both you know, mentally, is the crossover. Like right now, basically, the ending mm-hmm. of the summer market and the beginning of the more volatile one. Because now you got to start almost utilizing a whole different strategy. And so to answer your question, in, in the opportunistic months, the non-summer months, I would. I like trading the range, but I don't like selling at the range top. So let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. S and P moves up ten points. All right, it pulls back. Uh, let's say five points, right. and then it sits there and it ranges in a tight area for you know ten fifteen minutes, which in day trading is forever. Right. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah. I would pick that range low for a limit to get long, uh-huh. and I would sell a little bit at the range high, but I would hold it with an expectation for a continuation up. So I wouldn't get long the range bottom, sell it at the range top, and then get short to flip the trade. You know what I mean? Because it's a momentum market. It's driven by, by, by a lot of movement. So I don't want to get my head chopped off by reversing the position. In right. the summertime, though, if it's stuck in a range, there are times when I'll grab the long at the bottom, sell it at the top, and then flip it short again. But you got to be careful when you 
when you do that range trade. The way I like to do it mostly is to range trade in the direction of the trend. That's even though, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I was gonna say that's exactly the conclusion I came to during my short lived volatile sim trading lesson, uh, period. <laughs> yeah, it's a bullish market right now, right? So buying yeah. the bottom of the range is much better than trying to sell the top of it yep. in a bull market. Ask me how I know I had a horrible day trying to short. Right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, I thought you did well today. Yeah, today was decent. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not this day, but the one that I talked about. No, he's talking about last Friday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Last episode, you know. Mm-hmm. That kind of sucked, but, you know, that's no one said this was going to be easy or, or fun on some days. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, why don't we go back and revisit that? Because, uh, I mean, thank you for sharing that on our show, too. I really appreciate you opening up and giving us an insight into some of the struggles that you were having. Yeah, of course. I can't wait to have those struggles. I know, right? Me too. I don't like <laughs> that much money. And you're like, uh, I better just take a break, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as recovering from that, then, like, can you walk us through like the steps that you took? Like, like, how did you get yeah. to the point where you knew, okay, now it's time to take a break? Should you have recognized that sooner? Do you think, or are you happy with when you did? And do you think that you've gotten past it now? Yeah, those are all great questions. Um, you know, how do you rec- like? So here's the thing: there's days where you know I'll lose money, obviously, and depending on if it was look, it, there's days where it's a good loss. Meaning, mm-hmm. I traded the strategy well, as discipline. Market condition was just shite, and I couldn't really fight it. So yeah, I have a loss. I can't really be mad at those days because that's right. part of the game. Then there's days where like I lose because of my own, like you know, I was the the bottleneck. I created the loss. Like I completely ignored market conditions, ignored my plan. For whatever reason, I got sucked into it. And then those days, I, I tend to lose a lot, right? Those are the worst losing days. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, though, I can't be mad at that either because I did something stupid. Like, <laughs> how, <laughs> how mad could you be on doing something stupid? It's like, you look at it, it's like, okay, I know it was dumb. And so now at least I have an opportunity to correct this because when volatility comes in, that number would be much bigger. Mm-hmm. And I shared it on the show, and it was a 30,000 down day. So that could have been exponentially more. I was trading with big size. And so what I what that gives me an opportunity to do, Kyle, is to look at this and just improve myself. And it's mm-hmm. we all battle this. The more consistently profitable that we are, the better that we do. Because I had a really good summer up to that point. You know, The more consistently profitable we are, the more confidence we get, and the more dangerous and devastating that is. Mm-hmm. So... Even leading up to this day, I was I look at my performance every day. I look at the numbers with a lot of detail in terms of like, you know, not just the win rate so much more than that. I look at 10 to 15 metrics every day to, to kind of get a better feel as to what I actually did. And the days leading up to that loss, there, there were warning signs. Mm-hmm. And I knew it. It's like, look, the way I'm trading right now is making me money, but it, it won't for long. And I had the opportunity to correct it. I didn't. And the reason I didn't, you know, I had some personal stuff going on. I think I've chatted with you guys mm-hmm. uh, with kind of the struggle of just balance with between work life, home life, you know, with my wife being in the same situation. She's an entrepreneur. We just lost our babysitter. She didn't die, but she went back to work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she might as well have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but she's dead to us. She owed 50 G's to the Canadian mob and I wouldn't loan it to her. Now she disappeared. <laughs> this is not true. Anything you hear is for entertainment purposes only. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. I blew up your spot. Uh, if it should happen, it's just a coincidence. Um, so, yeah, you know, I had an opportunity to work myself and I didn't. And I, I talk about this with the team. It's it's cool running a trading room because, you know, you get to trade with people. You're never alone. Mm-hmm. But it's also hard because there's days where you have to do the work where you necessarily shouldn't be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I should have really taken off two weeks. to After that big day, what I should have done there is, like, I'm done. I'm going to start again after Labor Day because it was so close to the end of the summer anyways. And so sometimes having to push through that, like, just creates more problems. So I had actually a few more down days, but they were within the confines of, of what I planned. Right. So it wasn't really a problem. Um, so to answer your question, how do you work through it? You just have to stop, take the time, understand where the problem went wrong, understand what the cause is. Sometimes it's a trading problem. Sometimes it's a life issue. More often than not, when you screw up that big, it's something inside. It's personal. It's not trading related. 
you didn't follow the rules. The rules didn't let you down. Mm-hmm. It was the operator. So why did you decide to not follow the rules? And that's a introspective journey. And to be honest with you guys, I still haven't got a chance to do it. Um, you know, uh, so I'm trading super small size until I do. I, I struggle with that exact problem of, I know the rules. Why didn't I follow them? <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> I think it we happens. all do. <laughs> it's an emotional business. I was going to say, one of the things that uh, I tried to start incorporating that kind of helps me, I was curious if you do something similar, is when I find myself making a move that I know I shouldn't be doing, I'll actually say it to myself, like, all right, I know this is stupid, but I'm going to do it anyway. And sometimes just the act of saying it out loud helps at least reinforce the fact that you know what you're doing is not right. Do you do anything similar to that? Like, try to call out or at least acknowledge to yourself that you're not trading to plan? I have a sticky on my monitor that saves me um, more times than not, like, I don't know how much money it saved me because when you avoid losses, you don't know how much you would have lost. Right. So it's right. right. That's like the most important variable of trading, how much you've avoided losses that never shows up in any statements or results, but I have a sticky and it says three words. And these three words of like avoided massive losses for, and if you want to hear them, you need a credit card number. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> the three words, <laughs> it's a process over profit. Hmm. I can't tell you, like, I don't think there's been one single day where I've gotten butchered following a process. I think the days where I have a hard time is I decide, hey, I need more money. I need to make more. And then now I'm trading for money. And when I'm trading for money, the problem is that that's what you're valuing in your, pro- in your trading day. Mm-hmm. And so when you lose money, now you're getting further away from the goal. Whereas if you, even if you lose a trade and you're focused on process, you're still following process. The loss is a part of the process. Whereas if you're out there chasing a return, it's like the moment you lose money, now you're further away from the goal and you start to panic. Maybe not, you won't admit that, you know, that you consciously are panicking, but subconsciously, you're so far away from the goal and moving in the opposite way, you start taking drastic corrective measures. So what I do is I always look at it at the screen, process over profits. And usually I'm like, hey, look, this is a profit type of trade. I'm trying to make money with this trade, which is why it's so stupid. You know, it's like you look, you look at it on the chart. It's like this trade just looks dumb. And sometimes I even catch it in the moment. I'm like, you even look stupid now. I don't have to wait till 4 p.m. You know, <laughs> but, um, and yeah, that, that's sort of that, that's my correct course measure is am i trying to make money here am i doing the process because trying to make money always generates losses trying to focus on the process you know the money part disappears becomes a job i really like that i really like that saying i've noticed in my own trading that whenever i'm chasing profits then i'm not paying attention to the structure and the indicators that tell me when to get out yeah because then you're you're too focused on either what you want to get or what you could have got and then you're just hoping at that point well, so here's the, this is a very interesting discussion here, Kyle and Dan, because when you focus on just making money, automatically based on that mission, every losing trade is a bad trade and every winning trade is a good trade, mm. right? Yeah. And so let me give you an example. Maybe you did a textbook trade plan setup, but that was a loser. Mm-hmm. So in your process mindset, you just say, hey, look, you know, this is a risky business. There was a loss. Let me go back to the process, find another one. You're trading for profits. You're going to say, Oh, well, you know what? It's a loss. I need to make it back. You're going to double up your size. You're going to hit it bigger. You're going to trade right mm-hmm. after. You just got stopped mm-hmm. out. You're going to get right back in. Right. You're going to do all these things because you want to make that money back. And at the end of the day, the worst thing that could happen on a day like that is that you're green. That's what happened to me. I broke every single rule for like three, four days, you know, in a week straight. I knew trouble was going to come and I kept closing green. Like, you know, mm-hmm. four figure days. It's funny because I was listening to you, even having that discussion with like the team. Like, I'm down, but uh, I've been down the last three days. I know I can trade myself out of it. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and you can until you can't, right? Until yeah. that one day where it's like, okay, well, there you go. It's like you get punched in the head, and you keep getting up. You start getting confident with being punched in the head. One of those <laughs> times, you're not going to get up if it if it's <laughs> right? repeated too many times. I love that analogy. And that's what happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> but how how much do you learn from getting flicked in the nose versus getting punched in the face? Right? You're going to remember uh, what you did to get yourself punched in the face. I think a lot more than just annoying somebody enough to, to flick you on the nose. See, that's the problem. It's like the bee is buzzing around and you're swatting it and it leaves. You don't really remember that and right. until you get butchered. So this is why like, we're, we're doing a podcast episode on metrics that you need to use for your trading analysis other than just the win rate. 
Mm-hmm. This is why it's important to review that what you're actually doing, right? It's like I read somebody on Twitter said all that matters in trading is a final profit or loss, and I face palmed. I'm like, okay, this is a good podcast topic because <laughs> this is horrible. That person's going to blow out, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's all about looking at the at the metrics and separating your thought pro if you're going to do this as a career the reality is a winning trade is not a good trade and a losing trade is not a bad one always so you got to sort of look at the numbers and on your great days be don't go on and look at cottages and get all excited be really you know critical of yourself okay it's a good day but what could i learn Mm -hmm. and if it's a bad day do the same thing it's a bad day but what could i learn and i think that people only do analysis and trade reviews on the days they lose and that's when they're emotional. But on the days that you win, that's when you get away with a lot of bad habits and you can catch that early on. So otherwise you just end up reinforcing them if you keep getting away with it. Yeah, exactly. If you don't want to deal with a bad winning day, you're eventually going to have to deal with it on the bad losing day. And it won't be a small bad losing day. It'll be a horrible losing day. Mm-hmm. And then now it's a whole different discussion. Now you've been set back. I like the process over profits because I think Dan and I have used that a, a similar saying when we do our good, the bad, and the ugly reviews. Uh, there's yeah. been a couple occasions yeah. where I think we've said, what was it, method over results? Or We didn't have something nearly as catchy. Yeah, method over results. Separating the method from the results. And there's been several times where we've had a good trade that we've filed under bad because it, it was just a stupid trade to take at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I did this, but there was no reason that I can actually quantify that I would ever do again. <laughs> yeah, this is the wrong yeah. thing to do, but I made money on it. So, but it's so it's bad. It's bad. But isn't it funny how we'll do a nine to five job that we absolutely hate for a paycheck? Like every single day we're losing, but we do it. Mm-hmm. And then you know, then they, but then you go to trading, and the moment you lose a dollar, you're like, holy crap! Can I even do this? <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Like right. your whole life goes in shambles. You have a midlife crisis because you're down four dollars on the micros. It's like, you know, we just have to keep things in perspective. It's like if this is going to be a job, it's going to have to be processed. If you want to have fun, then treat it like a hobby and gamble and all that. Sure, you know what? Go go for profits. Post them all on Twitter. You know, share with everybody, high five and stuff. Don't post any of your losers. Only put up your winners. But know that it's not going to be a career. Deep down, no matter what you're showing, you deep down are not confident about what you're doing. It'll never become a career until it's process focused, right? And I think if somebody doesn't share their losers, I don't think that there's somebody that you want to follow anyway. Yeah, but that's what the whole like fintwit is all about, right? It's right. like uh, this like gain porn that that you know it's yeah. called. It, I hate <laughs> it. Reddit, I yeah. hate seeing some how so much made because even if you had a fantastic day and you made a hundred dollars, but you're brand new and you're like, yeah, I'm up. And some guy says, you know, what's hundred bucks? I'm up like 30 grand today. It's like now suddenly you feel like you did something wrong. Right. More you can do something stupid. And, you know, that's why it irks me kind of in the wrong way. But, you know, you just, you're right. You got to surround yourself by the right influences for sure. <laughs> I always try to focus on percent too, not necessarily dollar amount. Sorry, Dan, didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. No, no, it's, that's very true. That's the same, same thing for me. Like, I want to know the percentage. I don't care the dollar amount. But no, I found uh, this week especially, uh, once, once I put in my two weeks and was like, I'm going to do this full time. I'm going to be, I'm going to trade full time. All I, I stopped myself on a lot of trades and I only entered the last two trades I've entered have been, uh, you know, after doing some technical analysis and finding the levels and being like, okay, I'm going to day trade this option. I'm going to buy eBay. I'm going to sell eBay. I'm going to buy Disney. I'm going to sell Disney. Uh, I found the, that the dollars in my portfolio felt more precious and I had to be, I had to apply my skills and knowledge and not be just rolling the dice. Whole different ball game when you know it's a career, right? It's like this mm-hmm. thing has to work because now this is my, what, what I had reliable income before. Now this is my reliable income. Yes. And my God, could it be unreliable? So I'd better like treat the process. <laughs> <you know? laughs> right. So, yeah. When I first resigned from work, I wrote my resignation letter and actually sat at my desk for uh, nine months. Fun thing, actually, my, my prior boss's boss, who I was more in, in, a, in a better reporting relationship with than my actual boss. I, I actually resigned to him and <laughs> gave him the letter. And we actually still stay in touch. I go for dinner and, and lunches with him quite often. Great guy. Nice. I gave him the resignation. Does he make huh? fun of you for sitting there for nine months after you resigned? Well, like, that was the, we, we have a laugh oh. about that. He's like, you know, this resignation letter is great, George. I'm happy for you and your career. You know, I think it's the right move, but I need another one. I'm like, what? 
He's like, this is dated nine months ago. <laughs> so <laughs> he's like, but I am happy for you. You're just going to have to change the date. <laughs> oh, I thought, and I was like, oops. Sorry. I thought you gave it to him nine months ago and just kept sitting at your desk. Oh, no, 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 no. I, gave him, I wrote it and sat on it for nine months. And then you know what he told me at the end? He's like, now I know why you've been doing so shit in the last nine months. <laughs> like you checked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he doesn't sound like a very good boss if he's not having a employee review with you then. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> he's great. We did the reviews. Yeah. I the thing is like I could I could pull my weight with little effort in the position I was at. I was very comfortable, so it was like it was easy to get away with, you know, trading full time, to be frankly honest with you, and, and working part time. Mm-hmm. Were you uh, were you doing your own trading at the desk too, or? Oh, hundred percent. So the last, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the last part of my career with Scotia Bank, it was actually like I. Oh man, we get really long into this. When I when I was at Scotia Bank, I had a chance to actually join, like the the. There's two trading desks. One you're working with retail, and then one you're working with the financial advisors. I had a chance to join that, and then it was so restrictive compliance reviews. You couldn't trade certain shares, certain things. You couldn't do futures. I declined it. I'm like, I actually don't want that job. I, I like what I'm doing now. And I moved a little bit more into like business development. Like, look, I'm realizing that being a professional trader means you're trading other people's money and you can't trade yours. You don't have time. And legally, compliance reviews it all and they're going to ask you questions. So mm-hmm. I moved into like a business development road and I was role and I was on the road a lot. So I would have to visit Scotiabank branches and meet with clients, talk about investments and their financial advisors. Um, and I figured out the strategy, which meant, hey, I could be in my car. And on the road in traffic five days a week, or I could use the damn phone and be motivational on the phone. I stayed at home and placed phone calls while I'm working my trade. I, I, I was on the phone oh, wow. call financial advisors and they're like, wow, this is a great, like I did, you know, calls virtually, like everyone does Zoom now. Back then right. that was innovative. And I would, I would actually in the presentation, but guys, can you just give me one moment? I got to move my stop loss. <laughs> And they yes. understood. They loved it. What what a better way to learn from somebody about investing? Somebody who's doing it, right? <laughs> Can you stop waving that gun, please, and shouting at my employee? <laughs> stop yeah. Look, I got a, I got some options. I need to sell. Uh, listen, sir, what you're saying is important to me. But first, <laughs> I, yeah, just one little thing. And what are you raving about? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Oh boy. Well, I was yep. thinking about sending you uh my screenshots at the levels I plotted this morning on my first day of observation, but I don't know that that make very good radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that we could take that are dull through voice and then enhance them a little bit. I think that's just boring. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't even think your guys like good humor and ability to put on a sick podcast would be able to do that justice but we, we've tried if you want to send tried. me yeah, it's just too dull but kyle yeah. yeah if you want to send me a discord message i'd be happy to send you some some bullet points back when the kid falls asleep um maybe i'll uh do that on friday just over the weekend give myself a week of trying to learn myself yeah yeah you know that's cool yeah keep it personal for now until you, some, you know what that's a good point sometimes you don't want people's feedback and so i think this is a good time to not look for it just build up a little body of work and then go from there. But I'm here for you is what I'm saying. No, oh, I appreciate that. Actually, it's that's interesting because I remember uh, you posting on Twitter at one point, like uh, if you'd be interested in seeing people's entries or if that would distract you. And I think initially I thought like I'd rather see the entries. And if it distracts me, then at the point where I was on my journey, I'd be questioning why I had wanted to take a different position as opposed to, you know, it, I felt like it would save me more than it would hinder me. But when I was uh, listening in on the options room, or the day trading room for the last, um, you know, before I went on vacation trying to sim trade, uh, I did actually find it quite distracting. With the fills? With the, when I would try to take a different position and then I'd hear right. somebody else say that they're going short. I've even heard you two guys going like, today I think you were long and then uh, Z was short. The other way around. I think he was. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but for sure, yeah, we're on the opposite sides. And we, we talk about that on text. I'm like, hey man, like, talk about levels analysis, not positions, because you're going to really throw people off. It's like, somebody's in the club having a good time like they're dancing with a girl and you walk in you're like bomb and then you walk out <laughs> you're <gonna> f- <laughs> in this day and age you're gonna freak people out you know what i mean like 
And that's what it does. This is why when I saw Twitter and, and the poll said most people want to see fills, I'm like, well, this means that it, you know, to sell courses, tell people you're going to show fills for sure. That's what I would do if I had no integrity. But when, when the Twitter poll came out with more people wanting to see fills, I'm like, this means then this is conclusive evidence that I'm no longer showing fills. Because no offense, like, you know, what people think on Twitter tends to be pretty opposite of what real development's like. Um, as much as I would love to see the fills, I don't feel like there's as much value in there. I think more of the value comes from trying to see the structure, understand the structure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, by, by the time you show up as a paramedic on the scene and there's blood on the ground, you're not going to prevent the accident. And I think right. this is what happens. Like, my fill is literally irrelevant to what you're going to do. At best, sure, it could make you money, but then you're not confident as to why you made money. So you made $30 today, but you lost confidence. At worst, you're going to be following my crappy bias on the one day yeah. that you're like, you know, <laughs> like, hey, I just got this stupid idea stuck in my head and I have to lose a certain amount of money to learn a lesson. You don't have to learn it. You know, it, and on the day, this is funny, on the day that I was down that massive number, 30K in one single session, uh, it was a 72% win rate in our trading room with live capital. So go figure. Right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I think and that's why we don't show fills. Yeah. Do you, right. do you, you do show them after the fact or? Well, I noticed you were doing that today, which I did appreciate that. Like, okay, here's where I bought after the trade was over. Yeah. That's how I usually do it. And I feel like that's a teachable moment. I like that better, I think. Yeah. Remove, remove the, this, like, let everyone make their own decision and then learn from my decision. But right. retrospectively, I have showed them in real time. We've gone to a lot of different variables, like showing them in real time, pulling them, not showing them at all, reviewing them. And when I show them in real time, the traders who make bank in our community, who are extremely well at doing this, who love being around our community and team, which is what gives value to our community. Mm -hmm. You know, it can't be called trade pro. Right. And it's a bunch of like people on day one trying to fight with each other. Yeah. Uh, those people leave. Like I've, I've had emails of people telling me, if you keep showing your fills, I'm gone. This is not what I'm here for. Like I'm going to literally leave and find another community. Wow. And then yeah, on the days where I don't show any fills, new traders are like, how the hell am I supposed to learn if I don't know when you're doing a trade? <laughs> you know, <Right. laughs> there's always like, <laughs> there's always a balance. And I find it interesting. You know, this is based on personality too. Some people learn differently and, you know, we try to balance stuff, but I think the best balance is that word. Mm -hmm. drink every time i say balance right. balance is <laughs> showing the fill after the fact explaining why i got there why i got in and then people cross compare and reference it to what they did with their performance mm -hmm. yep i like that a lot personally and i would suggest to keep doing it if uh if i had any say <laughs> well you do and we will <laughs> all right do you share your levels at the beginning of the day yeah absolutely we that, that's what we put the focus on levels Real-time analysis of order flow. Maybe there's a big buyer at a certain zone where we think there's support. Um, we like Levels is the most important. In the beginning of the, the session, we set up a trading plan with this level, what we're going to do. And um, from there, when it gets to that level, then we start talking more in the real-time. So the session starts out with overview, key levels, you know, key transition points where we think there's going to be a support. If it breaks, what the target's going to be, et cetera. And then the market opens, and we're just trying to qualify those trades in real-time together with a focus on analysis, not like get in here, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. I was actually trying to make sure I got my, my uh, levels done before you started yours because I wanted to make sure I had, wasn't biased in any way. I wanted to have the comparison. Yeah. That's awesome. Honestly, like, you know, you're, you're going about it the right way, Kyle. You're not, you're not somebody who is going into like dependency, you know, and we do see that unfortunately, like that's the way to do it, you know? Yeah. Test your own knowledge, put a test and then, that way, it's like, hey, I have my levels. Some people are like, oh, let me change my levels to yours. I'm like, no, mm -hmm. keep them on the chart. Make it a different color line if you want to throw mine on there. But yeah, see which keep one yours better. on there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I followed Vico's options tweets for a while and was in the Discord chat for a bit. Uh, and I actually found myself at the point where I wanted to pull up the tweet to see which symbols he was tweeting. So I could go see if I could get the levels before I read which ones he tweeted. And I, and I felt like that was the exercise that really helped me improve. Wow, that's perfect. Strongly recommend people. Yeah, I think that's what you could learn from other traders that you follow on like Twitter, right? Is like you, you start to get their mythology, methodology rather on, on how they're getting in, how they're getting out. And I think that's mm -hmm. how you really learn. What do you really learn from somebody tweeting? I made 30 grand. You know, great. Yeah. Unless you're going to send me some of that. I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I appreciate it. I'm happy for your family. And I don't really care. I got to yeah. work on myself. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm already one kid's daddy. I don't need to be anyone else's. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> 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 uh, well, I think the whole thing kind of just goes back to what you're talking about before, too, as far as or what we were just discussing about effort and not people, not as many people realizing just how much effort you're going to have to put in to be successful. Yeah. Right. And I think that starts with the very beginning of mm-hmm. when you get introduced to this journey. Some people do it for making quick money. They're like, oh, this is a nice little side hustle. And then some people are like, hey, you know what? This is actually something I would do for a career. And more times than not, the career people are the ones who end up being successful on a short and long-term basis. You know, just hmm. this is like the worst place in the world to go for quick money. You're going to, you know, just go to the casino. You're going to get free alcohol. Right. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> It'll be more fun. There's no need to gamble on a computer screen. That's that's just boring. Do it in like a grand fashion. Yeah, go, go to yeah. a casino. Go to the casino and play video poker. Yeah, right. computer screen. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I guess not that much. <laughs> um, All right. Well, I think kind of running out of stuff, huh? Hey, if we wrap it up now, I don't even need to edit it. Oh yeah, because it's right at one hour. <laughs> well, there's some dead spots I want you to take out. <laughs> Please. <laughs> a couple points where I was trying to make notes. Oh, so I want to tell you this story that's 45 minutes and it's about nothing, really. Oh, please. Should do. I start now? Please do. Okay. Dan will do that until you start wrapping up anyway. Let me just read a Jerome Powell speech. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did have a story I wanted to tell. It was dark and foggy out on the dew. There in the meadows and the hills of, of old Killarney, Ireland. The year was 1848. How long Her hair ago? was a dark red, <laughs> smoky auburn. And it, oh, wait, what are we, what, what's our podcast about again? Well, I don't know if it was the context of the story or the way your voice changed, but I got a little creeped out. I'm going to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) That's Dan's announcer voice. (laughs) Well, we resolved one bet. I lost on SPXS. We need to resolve another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, My answer doesn't change. And the joke's on you. I love to cook. Yeah, I know you do. I just was wondering how much you're going to like. Eating, you know, moose knuckles and and that kind of stuff, or whatever, whatever George helps me come up with. Nobody eats moose knuckles. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Unless it's filthy vulgar slang, then from the late nineties, it is. <laughs> True Canadian cuisine is like things that survive in the cold, and I think that's like fat. You know, any kind of fat it doesn't have to be whale blubber. It can be any kind of blubber, but whale blubber is preferred. I've noticed that there's a lot of the the entries that I was looking at. Every list had wild nuts and berries and random game animals as an entry. And I mean, literally, right. it said just game meat. It didn't have any specific one. <laughs> Which, <laughs> whichever one you managed to capture, hunt, yes. kill, trap. <laughs> so I'm going to be sending you some snares. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> See what so, I did there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. There you go. Genius. Genius. Joke. So, George, you want to take another bet? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm down. You know, I did so great in the first one. Why not do it again? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the SPXS bet was actually up at one point. I could have got a profit, but I, know. I wouldn't have. Yep. I saw that. Um, I was getting nervous because that was when BB was starting to retract. Yeah. Yep. Um, I was sure. What is it for? The whole month of September? Yeah. Uh, Long VIX. V-I-X. What? Oh, that's Dan just bought some VIX calls today. Uh, that's a good call, Dan. You're you're doing it at the perfect time. <laughs> I know, and I've got shit for it on the Discord server. That shit! I, I just questioned your decision. Mm-hmm. I was a little nervous because the the flow contracts you're looking at were they were all traded on the bid. Yeah, there's a lot of scary stuff coming up in the next like 30 days. Yeah, you know, is. for the market. I don't know. Look, here's the thing with VIX. <clears throat> I would buy it. Um, but I mean, this is not financial advice or recommendation or solicitation to purchase any securities. But like, I wouldn't put a lot of money into it. Is, is, mm-hmm. I wouldn't like hinge my whole boat. Like, it's not a do or die trade. It's just something I take a little like bite out of. Right. Um, yeah. The reason being, it's a great place to do it. A good time to do it as well. There's a lot of stuff coming up for the market. 
And this isn't a bet. So how do I say this? When the market eventually drops, no one times it correctly. Yeah. The person who does call the drop has called it incorrectly the past 15 times, and they're finally like, Yay. Michael Berry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but tis the time of the year for a little bit of a pullback. I'm seeing a bit of a complacent long. I'm going to try the VIX. Nice. Just a little bit, though. It's not a make or break. Not putting my whole career on the line on this trade. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Wait till you see the consequences. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we're going to trade gonna have to- <laughs> <laughs> Trading places. Uh, I was going to make him go to an old folks home and try and convince two people he's related to them. I feel like we should just sit on it and try it. Oh, that's really good. Wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. no, I'm your son. Don't you recognize me? <laughs> Oh man! Watch, watch me actually find the two people I'm related with that I didn't know. Like that would be how my life goes. <laughs> Is oh, that little Georgie over there? The <laughs> I haven't seen you since you were four years old, boy. <laughs> Is that Big Poppy? <laughs> yeah, Big Poppy. I love the that my Bulgarian whatever would be grandfather or uncle that you're impersonating has that yeah. accent it's amusing <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know what a bulgarian accent sounds like well i have some consequences for you if you lose a bet then <laughs> oh fine right <laughs> you got to do a song in bulgarian <laughs> <laughs> oh god what are we gonna pick kyle uh, I was going to let you pick. You're going to let me pick for the whole fucking month? Do you not want to? Oh, it's just a lot of pressure. Otherwise, I was looking at CVM, but I don't know that I necessarily want to ride oh. your consequences on that. On CVM? No, I think that's that's risky. Yeah, uh, after you just went VIX, I think you either need... Ooh, I don't know. that The VIX can really explode if something catastrophic happens. Well... That's just it. Is is it like the S and P could end the month even, but with the vo- volatility spike in the middle, you know? Right. Uh, well, you know what's in my personal portfolio. <laughs> you know what I actually am thinking. Uh, Virgin Galactic. Well, you, no, you want to roll some dice? Oh shit! What are what are the what are the <laughs> what are the potential outcomes? <laughs> uh, I need a a one or a two. Oh my god! So I got something even. better for you guys. What's that? I have my son here, and he usually makes a few sounds. He says "uh" or "g." So if he says one or the other, you guys can pick a stock. Say hi. Oh, I don't. <laughs> what, what one was that? <laughs> I, I, two. So choose two. number two. Okay, now I need a one through twelve. All right, you got, hey bud, you got twelve sound effects in you. <laughs> You're gonna need to step up. Come up with some words. Uh, just give me a sector you want, Dan. Um, I want utilities. Public utilities? Uh, it, oh, any spine with me. SJI. Oh, God. That's our pick? That would be our pick. Okay. South Jersey Industries. It doesn't look like a terrible pick, actually. Well, I mean, let's, let's you call this since March a rounding top. It's been on a steady upstream. SJI? You looking at the right one? Yeah, South Jersey Industries. My uh, charts, I can't load into my trading view. So I'm going to just say, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's fine. Let's do it. Let's do it. SJI. In honor of Jersey Shore. Let's beat George with a random stock and let him know how it feels. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys win, I'm not even coming back on the show. <laughs> I don't even care what happens. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> You can't beat you with a random. That's not fair. <laughs> See, we're in your head. <laughs> I've done that to Dan at least once before where I've, sh- where I've taken his cast away. Or I've been wanting to short one of his stocks one of these times just to really fuck with him. Yeah. Not, not post full-time trading Dan. You know, <laughs> gambling Dan, you should be short, but not this one. This guy's focused. He's coming here to he's not messing around. His last two trades have been like 100% gainers. I've been like, oh my God. I I think I just switched places. <laughs> I have to stop lying to my wife, guys. What's that? Have you- <laughs> I, I thought I'd mention this. I know it's a weird thing to say, right? He's about to conclude. I keep telling her these podcasts are going to be like 20, 30 minutes. 
Then I have so much fun with you guys, I lose track of time. And so now, not only do I have consequences for losing a trading bet, I'm going to have consequences at home. (laughs) Right, for taking so long. Well, just lying note. to her. <laughs> <laughs> I scheduled an hour. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, folks, we're so glad you joined us. We want to thank you again, George. You're awesome. We love having you here in the shop. Uh, always, a, always a great time. Always knowledgeable. Uh, and thank you, Kyle, for coming back to the shop. I mean, you abandoned us. It was yeah. so cold and lonely without you. Say that with a, Say that like you meant it. Kyle. I am so glad you're back. I listened. I listened to the last episode. It was way better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't want to call you a dead weight, but now that the topic's out there. uh, (laughs) uh, Folks, have a great day. Have a great week. Have a great month. Uh, We'll be coming back at you soon. Until then, happy trades. Bye. Thank you guys so much. Been an honor. I get lost in time when I talk to you guys. It's great. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.